right, hey everybody, welcome to the Goop Pod. Goop Pod, the real Goop Pod. The Not re- the fake version that's made by the real Goop. The OG instead of the GP. Okay. Oh, come on, that was pretty good. That, that was, was good. pretty good. Okay, so we are back, and um, we'll do our, like, disclaimer, but we're not going to do one quite as formal as we used to. Because I think at this point you know. Yeah, at this point you know we are not doctors, we are not scientists, we are simply people who are kind of devoted to debunking a lot of Gwyneth Paltrow's crap. Yeah, and I think we also, we well, we alluded to this already, but um, we are not the real goop podcast. No, we are I, not the real good podcast. Um, as we've seen on Twitter this week. Um, there is a new, they are doing their own thing, but that's okay, because we're going to commit to doing our thing. We're going to commit to doing our thing much more often, and, you know, maybe it'll go somewhere, maybe it won't. We, that's one of the many things that we learned from the other Goop Pod, which we'll get to in a little bit. No, just the Goop Podcast. The Goop Podcast. I know it's confusing for those at home. What you need yeah. to know is that we're not the ones trying to sell you things. <laughs> Unless if it's, like, our winning brand of humor. We have a winning brand of humor. We do. That's something we have. We're charming. Yeah. I Or cloying. I don't know. Either one. Um, so we are bringing I mean, back the same thing. What does that mean? Cloying? It means, like, annoying. Okay. <laughs> annoying and, like, slightly... I don't think pain. that's a real word. I'm a writer. <laughs> hey, do you want to Google it? No. I, because I will prove it to you right now. No, I don't care. Yes, you do, because, okay, here we go. Cloy. Disgust or sicken someone with excess of sweetness, richness, or sentiment. It's not what you said, though. Cloying. That's the, that's the... But you, but you said it was like... Yeah. I know, I gave it the wrong definition, but it is a word. <laughs> it's fine. Anyway, moving on. Okay. Uh, so let's move into segment one. What are we drinking? What are we drinking? Uh, well, in the lovely photo that I took for this week's podcast, we are drinking passion fruit mimosas with just a squirt of both lemon and uh, orange juice in there. So it's mostly Prosecco? Uh, yeah. <laughs> it's it's probably about a fourth of a cup of... I was going to say, like, it felt really boozy. It's very boozy. I know. It's mostly Prosecco. What are we eating today? Uh, we are eating... We have... We tried our own version, and for as stupid as it was, we decided to do our version of Food Board Love, and our version of Food Board Love is cheese, because we're in Wisconsin, and that's what we do. Now, the thing about Food Board Love is that you... You have it, everything is strewn about, and you just cut it on the board that you serve it on. So did you cut all this cheese on the board you served it on? Oh, no, I didn't. I took painstaking. Uh, I took a lot of time to make sure it looked okay. So I guess it's not our version is, of Food Board I mean, Love. it's a... That's the antithesis of Food Board Love, is you're mm-hmm. supposed to just put it out there and people will like it. And for me, I was like, no, I sat and I picked at it for a while, and I made sure it looked good. She was angling the blue cheese in the like right way and cutting it in a way so that she could like see the right marbling through it. Actually, you were 100% correct. Mm-hmm. I did do that. I was looking at it, I sized it up, and I figured out exactly how to do it so I would be happy. <laughs> But that's what made you happy. Yeah. And that's what you need to focus on. That's true. Is making yourself happy and try to figure out, like, what other people need from you. And segueing into that, what made you happy? What are you eating? Because well, I'm, I'm not partaking of this. Well, you, you, you're you not because you don't eat meat. Um, I'm eating tuna salad. Um, little tuna salad, little um, open-faced Sammy's. Um, it's, it's based upon a recipe from the diva in my life. <laughs> uh, the fabulous Ina Garten. Yes. Um, she's wonderful. And um, it's a, so I'll post the recipe online or link to it, I should say. And it's wonderful. I like it. 
It's kind of a bougie tuna salad. And truthfully, like, Eindegard is our actual, like, lifestyle guru, so I feel like this is a good tribute to her. Um, and I think we should, like... Ida, if you're listening... <laughs> Here's the other thing I think we should start to focus on a little bit, because I think we're going to start to grow and expand and change a little bit as a podcast. No, like... G- grow in what way? <laughs> um, to talk about not just Gwyneth Paltrow, I think. I, I feel like this would be a good time to... <laughs> To branch to start, out? Yeah, to branch out a little bit and talk about it's like if she can be her own lifestyle brand, like our Goop Pod can kind of be our lifestyle brand, right? Okay. So, I mean, if for that, for us, food board love could mean cheese and we could talk about things that we like to do as well. Because basically all she is is she's just putting out there stuff that she prefers. It's not scientifically accurate. It's not tested or proven in many cases. And we are just as qualified to do that. So why not? So let's start doing a little bit of that. Let's add in. Uh, we, we basically were streamlining, but we're also figuring out kind of a new approach to this. This podcast. is a working podcast. Guys. It is. Seat of our pants. Yeah. Yeah, so stay tuned. Uh, so today, what we are recommending is the Einegarten tuna salad. That is a recipe for you guys to take home and challenge. That's your Goop Pod make challenge. We don't do those anymore, so you guys get to do them. And your other make challenge is put together a cheese board and send us a photo of it on Twitter. I like it. Nick is, like, shaking no his No one's going to do it. I, so let's just keep putting it out there. Maybe one day somebody will. One day, some random person from, like, Alberta, Canada. I mean, I I would love it, in all honesty, if we got a whole bunch of pictures of people who literally just had a cutting board and put a block of cheddar on it. They were like, this is my food board love. That would make me legitimately you incredibly happy. You do you. Happy. You yeah. do you, boo. Yeah. You if you, if boo. that means you take the, the, the container of Parmesan cheese, that green container that people put on their pizza, and you just open it up and dump it on a board, and that's, that's not, your... Do you know that's not real Parmesan? Yeah, is, isn't there like a, an amount of like wood chips or something in there? No, There's, it's no. not good for you. No, I'm gonna butcher this, but like, real Parmesan is super expensive because it has to come from like certain cows in Italy, and it it's, be, it's like, sort of like champagne. Like champagne can only come from the province of Champagne, right? Sure. Oh, you didn't know that? Okay. I mean, I believe it, but yeah. Well, anything else is just like that's why our I will say our passion fruit mimosas do not have champagne in them; they have prosecco. Prosecco is also just a sparkling white wine. You know, that's there's a joke about Prosecco in there, because if you remember in the first episode, you had to explain to me what Prosecco is. I did. I had to explain and now we're now we're back. We're looping. Very okay. circular writing. Yeah. Yep. Liz is a writer. Everything goes back to the beginning at the end. <laughs> because this is actually the end. This is the last episode. No. What? I was not told about this. Drama on the pod, everyone. I'm quitting. Um, what? Because <laughs> uh, all right. I'd like to introduce my replacement co-host, Sam Walken. <laughs> I'd be so excited. You have no idea. That would be some next level planning on yeah. my side. But Which anyway. I know you don't have. So. We digress. We digress. Okay. So we've talked about, those are our first segments. We're talking about what we drink. We're talking about what we're eating. Now that everyone is relaxed, go get your own cocktail. Especially if you're at work, you probably need it. Uh, go grab it, sit down, and we'll move on with the rest of the pod. What are we moving on to? We're moving on to, we're going to talk, uh, we're going to review the Gwyneth Paltrow Goop podcast, which is not the OG. Um, we are going to talk a little, because we listened to it. We did listen to it. We gave it, we're, we're going to start listening to it as well. 
Um, not if they're consistently an hour and 16 minutes. Um, I probably still will, because I don't mind a long podcast, but I... And I say this with full, full understanding irony, that our podcast was very long. Our podcast, yeah, our podcast topped out at almost two hours on more than one occasion. Did it? I think so. I think I edited it down. Did you? Okay. Well, I know that we talked for at least that long. Okay. Anyway, continue. About what? Oh. About listening to it, because you, you... Heard all of it. I heard most of it because mm-hmm. I was I was doing something else. <laughs> I'm chewing some cheese. Hold oh, on. Okay. Uh, so yeah, <laughs> let's discuss uh, one thing that they talked about a lot was Oprah had discussed the intention behind the action of of something to get what you want. So she would talk about the fact that if she went into something wanting to get famous or something, it wouldn't happen. As opposed to if she just like did it to actually understand the topic that she was talking about in her specific show that she was producing that day. Mm-hmm. She would grasp that concept and she would let it go. I it's don't know. About, like, it sounded confusing to me. Um, backing up a second. I actually didn't hate it. I, there were moments of it I really did not care for. There were a few, there were definitely moments where I was just like, okay, those, a couple takeaways is that one, Oprah is a little bit, I don't want to say weirder. Eccentric. She has money. Well, I don't... Well, I, well, She's okay. a little eccentric. Well, okay, and actually, that's that's a good point, because we talked about once upon a time about how being wealthy allows you freedom to do things. Yes. In in different ways, shape, or forms. You know, um, one of the things that she talked about, um, which I actually kind of liked, is, like, stop being... Having the, the disease of yes, I think is what they, how they... I did it. like that, actually, because I, I have that mm-hmm. issue, too. Where you just say yes to everything, because you don't want the person to hate you, or to think that you're mean, or to think that you're stingy, or to think that you're... you're to think that you're whatever, at that point. Yeah. It's, you know, you do things for you, and you do them because you want to. Yeah. Or there's some... There's something for you in it, one way, shape, or form. And so I kind of... I did enjoy that. I like that. But on the other hand, there, to a certain degree... That she has that freedom, uh, not only because of, but partially because of, she is wealthy. Yes. You know, you or I at work couldn't necessarily, I mean, I say no at work a lot, but I'm a tyrant. Yeah, but, yeah. But, you know, you I'll say no, if I say no at work, that could have repercussions at my job, and that could in, uh, decrease my earning potential down the line. Yes. You know, I don't say no very often. My boss knows this. But, like, same thing with you. Same thing with other people. Like, as an actor in Milwaukee, like, saying no to some things could be a career killer. Yeah. Know, depending on who you're saying no to or who you're making upset in the uh, Milwaukee Oh, 100%. Saying no to nudity. I've lost a lot of roles because I wouldn't do something like that or, you know. Wow. Yeah. Oh, yeah. It's, it's really? a, Oh, yeah. It's a very real well, thing. Well, you know what? I see, I see that. But I think that in Milwaukee theater, nudity is a thing that they want to do. Oh, yeah. Really? Yeah. Okay. Uh, and especially in, like, Milwaukee small film. Like, I, I remember having a conversation. I was up for a part in a, a short... I don't even think it was a short movie. It might have been a full length. I don't even know. But the director was just going to offer me the part. He had known me from something. Because he wanted to see you naked. I guess. I don't know. And I was just emailing back and forth with this guy, and he was just going... And he was talking about it, and it wasn't a project I was super interested in. And then he also said, he was like, well, there's nudity required with the role. And I was like, I just won't do it. I'm sorry. I, I don't... 
have any desire to do that. I don't think it's anything. I've never, there's nothing about this project that made me think that it was necessary to the plot. Like, it just feels gratuitous. Mm -hmm. And he was like, all right, we're going to go with another actress who will then. And you're like, okay. Like, I, at that point, you can't care because you're like, well, I'm going to stick to my principles on that. But yeah, and a couple of plays. And I, I remember when I was very young having a conversation with, um, I, I did stand my ground. I was proud about this, but they were I, they were like, we want to film you, like getting beat up, and um, w- can you bring something that we can kind of like gross up, like we can put fake blood on it and stuff like that. And I was like, yeah, I can bring like a t-shirt and a pair of shorts, you know, whatever you want. You can do whatever. And they were like, we're thinking a little bit less than that. And I was like, how much less? And they were like, we're thinking like bra and panties. And I was like, I negotiated. I was like, how about a full length slip? Mm-hmm. And they were like, that's okay. But again, it was a process where it was like, it wasn't necessary, I don't think. But it was it, supposed to be sexy for the sake of being sexy. Well, yeah, but it's also a woman being brutalized. Like, that's the, the other takeaway from that. And well, which I get. that sexy, I should say. Yeah, I yeah, yeah, yeah. Where sexy. it was, yeah. And where, yeah. I, it, I didn't care that's for it. That's insane. It is a thing. It I is a thing. Oh, oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. And uh, that, and th- well, this will loop back later. I'm asked to be naked a lot or in my underwear, and I'm also asked to um, uh, lose weight a lot. Mm-hmm. <laughs> That's another big thing. And more surprising than you would you would think in Milwaukee theater. Like, it, it doesn't seem like a big enough market for that to be a conversation, but it totally is. That's insane. Yeah. So, yeah, I, I mean, I, and so the disease of yes, that's one faction of it. And then the other faction of me, like, in at least the theater aspect of my career, the disease of yes is when you become a playwright or you have something that other people want to be a part of, it immediately becomes, like, you don't want to say no to anybody, but everybody wants to... The number of parties that I go to where people go, hey, you should write me a play. Like, you should write me something to star in. Like, it's something you just, like... That, that is something that's, like, that easy. Because I have done it for friends, but it's, like, it hasn't... It, it circles back to that thing of, like, I have done it out of... I've written it for friends, but not expecting to, like further the career it's always been like this feels like the thing i should do right now and then once that gets out there people think that they can just put you on a dime and it's like mm-hmm. oh yeah you can do a show next august and we can have you write it and it's like july and you're like what i can't write i can't do that it's too much it's too much and then people think that if you do it once you can do it forever and it's it's not sustainable hmm. yeah sorry i talked a lot no i like it yeah i like it I like it, but I like that. But I like that idea of like the disease of yes, and and there's some there's some good conversation about how to get over that. Yeah, um, that I actually felt was kind of insightful. Yeah, I kind of liked. Um, it def- there definitely there was some very interesting conversations about. Um, uh, I guess I guess I should say like I'm like one of those like Oprah fans in that I don't really know much about Oprah. Like uh, I yeah, like, I like. She's in the zeitgeist of America so much that it's like you say Oprah and you're like, oh yeah, I know who that is. I like, I, I, I definitely know, like I know her general overarching story and like where she came from and like how she, she, she made herself into who she is today Yeah, and different things along those lines. So I find that um, very admirable about yeah. her, um, you know, the, from nothing to something yeah. um, story where you like, you fight and you bag, borrow, steal to, to get to where you, where you want to eventually be. Yeah. Um, I think is is uh, in many ways, the American story. Yeah. Um, and I think it's very, very inspiring. So I guess I knew a, about her, but I guess I didn't know 
like anything also about her all at the same time. So, yeah. Um, so it was a very interesting kind of an open open door into that. I will say that I was um, very early in the podcast. They do a little uh, allusion to the wrinkle in time thing. They do, and I was like, <laughs> oh was like, no, this, this is, is why. Yeah, this and is I why. thought it was going to be much more about that. I did, too. and it wasn't. Which it really was, was surprising. It was and maybe good. fifteen minutes out of the full um, hour, sixteen minutes. And the stuff that she did say about a wrinkle in time, I I oh. thought was I thought it was you know it was anything that you would see on a late night talk show. So yep. I wasn't like. It made me want to see the movie. It made, so. me, it made me want to learn more about Ava DuVernay. That's what it was. Which one's Ava DuVernay? She, she's the director. Okay. Yep. Um, there was a very interesting story about um, about her. I guess they worked on uh, Selma together. I yes. think that's what they said. Um, and so there's an interesting story about that, and there was an interesting story about, I think, um, Oprah did this, she said this thing that like really resonated with me, where she's like, she knew about Ava DuVernay, yeah. and she's like, I want to be her friend. Yeah, and I'll and I know it's kind of, it sounds weird, but you're like, no, I've totally done that though. I've like, 100 percent done. That. You'll meet somebody at work or through something, and you're just like, how do I make them be my friend? Like, <laughs> and this isn't like a weird like. No, no, no. I understand 100 percent where you're coming. Like from. my goal in life is to make Ina Garn my friend. I just want to be one of Ina Garn's gay friends that gets to come over when Jeffrey's gone. When Jeffrey's gone for the yeah. weekend, and then she asked me to do something really kind of stereotypical that a gay person does, like does the does the flower arrangement, and then you come over to my house and have me do it. You bring it over. No, because I think if I was in the aura of greatness of Ina Garn, any gay becomes their best self. <laughs> so. That's fair. I buy that. So that's so not crazy like that. But you'll see somebody and you're like you know I, I there's like definitely people that I've met through work. I'm just like I am going to be your friend. Yes. And it's going to be a multi year process, but I'm going to be your friend. <laughs> but and I'm it's, get and it's crazy and there's no names because I don't want anybody thinking that I'm crazy. But you no, know, there was like this thing and she like she finally um, you know um, it, it got introduced to her and then they worked on Selma together. Is is that am I remembering that correctly? It's either Selma or like the Butler or so it's something like that. Okay. So one of those movies. If we a were movie. if we were better podcast hosts, we would have researched yeah. that. But yeah. Um. Uh. But anyway, um. So that's like a thing. Um. And then they she she was kind of interesting. It was like she's like, oh, we're gonna go to we're gonna be doing Wrinkle in Time and we're gonna be going to New Zealand to film it. And Oprah's just like, oh, I'll take off two weeks and I'll I'll jet with you. To I'll New just Zealand. like go hang out. I've been out there, here. but I um uh, but you know whatever um. But, uh, so I just thought that was an interesting little anecdote. It was fun. Um, I also thought it was interesting where, where Oprah didn't think, doesn't think that she's a good actress. Yeah. Um, yeah, but I think that's very indicative because that's not what, that's not her primary. And I think she is a good actress, but I think anybody who that's not their primary thing or that's not the thing they want to do, they're going to assume that they're not there is this awesome thing, at it. There is this thing though where it's like, Oprah not good at something is... The idea that... I think it's just funny to me. Yeah. Like, the, the idea that she's Oprah. She's Oprah. Like, and the idea that Oprah doesn't think she's not... Or that, well, rather, that I think that, like, she thinks that she's not, not putting out something quality or something good is very is very interesting to me. I don't know. I th- No, I think that's true. And, and I don't know if it's just, like, the, the idea of... I, I don't know if it's because there is such a large part of my past where I had to study Shakespeare, but the idea that, like, heavy is the head that wears the crown, it's like you read so much in plays and 
uh, movies and books about people who are so far above the rest of the, like, the quote-unquote calm and folk who don't think that they're succeeding or don't think that they're doing well. Mm-hmm. Um, that I guess that wasn't as surprising to me, but I, I do get what you're saying. Um, yeah, it's like, I, I just saw a production of Henry V where they, where it's it's so apparent that he doesn't think he's good at what he's doing and he doesn't know if he's going to be a good leader or has the capability. And it's like, this play looks at him in still such a loving light where it's like, he's, of course, he's, he's, he's good at everything. Like, but yeah, it's, it's, it's a very interesting take on it. Hmm. Interesting. Yeah. Um, but in general, again, the podcast was, was fine. There were a couple things that I thought were a little ridiculous. Um... Which you have aptly put out there. So there was this part where, like, Gwyneth was talking about, I guess, um, I guess they didn't really talk about it in detail, but they allude to the idea that, like, Gwyneth kind of begged Bar- begged Oprah to do this. Yeah. Um, and, and I guess was very persistent. Very persistent and guilted her into doing it. Um, and Oprah had just come off this thing about talking about how um, she mentioned some anecdote about how someone asked her to do a benefit. And in the past, she would go and like, yeah, because I don't want them to think I'm I'm mean or whatever. And but she's like, no, like if I don't want to do it, I don't want to do it. I'm not going to be guilted into doing something just because it's for children or something like that. Yeah. And it was interesting then because she gave a, an interesting explanation on why she was doing the podcast for Gwyneth, uh, which was um, I know how hard it is to start your own thing and booking your first guest is so hard. She kind of gave this explanation of, like, think back in the 80s when she was doing the Oprah show. Yeah, they were trying to get Don Johnson. Something like that. Yeah. Um, these names mean nothing to me. But um, but they, they were trying to. And I, and I took pause at that because, like, the idea of Oprah in the 80s have, being, uh, having a difficult time booking a guest to me is not the same as, as Gwyneth Paltrow. The Gwyneth Paltrow yeah. getting a booking a guest today. I agree. I, I think it's a complete... Like, if Gwyneth Paltrow... I mean, yes, Oprah is a dynamite first guest. But Gwyneth Paltrow probably could have booked just about anybody. Mm-hmm. And that's the thing that bugs me about it. Is like, I understand that... And I, you know, we talked about this earlier, and I think it is really funny. Like, the idea that either of us are like, I don't know if I agree with Oprah. Like, there's already a sniper, like, looking mm-hmm. through your window that's... Uh, I, I would rather do a copyright infringement on Disney before attacking Oprah. Agreed. Agreed. But that's the thing. It's like, it's it, you're right. It is not the same thing. And Gwyneth Paltrow has so much more, so many more options. And so she's already a brand. I mean, Oscar winning name brand Gwyneth Paltrow has all of these doors open to her. For Oprah, I think that. I don't know. It doesn't feel like she's really putting her her money where her mouth is on that one specifically, where it's like, if, I guess maybe with Ava DuVernay she is, though. Like, because Ava DuVernay wasn't the biggest, like, household name. She didn't have as many doors Mm -hmm. open. So it's like her shadowing her, I guess I, that is, now that we're talking about about it. Yeah. It's just a different thing. It's like, I, I, Gwyneth Paltrow, I so would have rather, like, her first guest been, like, Katy Perry, and I would, you know. I mean that, but I think I think realistically, Gwyneth Paltrow probably could have gotten anyone. Realistically, Gwyneth Paltrow's first guest could have been Gwyneth Paltrow. That's true, like, and she could have been like interviewed by 
somebody I don't somebody I don't know else. the girl who does here. woodboard love like yeah yes um, because her voice is like nails on a chalkboard uh, but um, uh, but it was just it was it, was, it felt um, slightly disingenuous it felt really disingenuous I just didn't really like it I didn't really yeah. like it um, made me feel bad. I was like, we we should book like if that's what it is. Like, yeah, it is hard to get our first guest. You'd be our guest, Oprah. I don't know how I could ever react um, being in the same room as Oprah. I'm gonna be honest. Much less if she came here to record it. I did see something on the Milwaukee subreddit one day where it was like she was because she, she has family up in Wisconsin. And sure, stuff like that. she's from Chicago. She yeah, lives she's, in Chicago. Yeah, exactly. She's from Chicago. Or she lives in Chicago. She like uh, has family in Waukesha from where I'm from and stuff like that. So like people that I know sometimes be like, oh my god, I saw Oprah in Waukesha today, and I and I'm like, that's really cool. Like I I'm really not like a starstruck person. Like yeah. I don't know, but at the same time, like Oprah's such a big big personality and such a big per- like big overarching person in our in our culture that I think I'd probably just like. I saw her, I can walk away now. Like, I don't know. But, like, I don't know about, like, actually sitting down in a room talking to her. I don't know how I'd actually ever react to something like that. Well, and it's like, I... But oh. actually, the, the, where yeah. I was going on that with the Milwaukee subreddit thing is, like, someone had posted, like, they saw our Whole Foods or something, which is not super far from where we live. Yeah. And I'm like, Oprah was within X amount of blocks from our place. Like, <laughs> oh, my God. Like, that's fantastic. But, um... But, yeah, I, I thought there was a really good conversation, too, moving on slightly, about the Me Too movement. That's true. What did you think about that? I'm curious what you thought, what you thought about it. I, I mean, I, the thing that I took from it that I thought was the most powerful was Oprah just saying, like, I don't feel any guilt for not having spoken up when I was yes. a child. I don't feel any guilt for not having spoken up about Harvey Weinstein because I didn't know about it. And I was like, I think that's the other thing about, like, the Me Too movement is, like, we are trying so hard to move away from victim blaming that we also can't, like, you can't blame bystanders. It's, like, it's it's nobody's fault except for the guy who did it. And, granted, people should have spoken up. Like, there are men who knew who didn't do mm-hmm. anything about it. We can't do anything about that now. We're past that. He is, now we are in a place where we know about it, we've done something about it, and what's happened in the past has happened, and we can only move forward. And and ruminating on how he got away with it for so long is only going to do so much good, and it's only going to play into this idea that we have that, you know, we let that slip through the fingers. If we're focusing on that, we're not going to catch other people who are doing the same thing. It's like, let that go and move on to where we have to be. I push back on that slightly. I think we do need to ruminate a little bit on how the structure was set up in such a way that allowed him to get away from it for the, so the people closest to him. I, yeah. I'm sorry. I guess I agree. With, I should amend that. The people who were closest to him that were aiding and abetting, yeah. yes, we need to focus on that. But well, people like Meryl Streep or Oprah Winfrey or Tom Hanks, if they all knew about it, but they're not directly, they're not there all the time. We can't well, just go. Actually, I push back on that as well because okay. like, okay, so um, what Oprah said is she doesn't have guilt for not speaking up as a child or as a young adult when things would happen to her. Yeah. She was a victim at that point. And if I think we talked about this a little bit a while ago where either on the podcast or not, but basically it's like, it takes a, it, it takes a certain amount of, it takes a bunch of courage to obviously uh, come out and say something like this happened to me. Yeah. Hashtag me too. It happened to me. Um, but at the same time, I don't want to say it's courageous to do that and then create this anti-courageous side yeah. where it's somebody's not courageous because they didn't speak out. I think Oprah said something really important in the podcast where she said something like, I spoke up when I felt safe to speak up. Yes. And I think that's extremely important. 
And it, I think that that kind of resonated with me, that people speak up when they feel safe to speak up in their own way. And we can't attack them for not doing so. Yeah. Now, bystanders, I think, are put into an interesting category. And I think I think famous bystanders get put into their own category. I was listening to um, a different podcast that was talking about um, inclusion writers that people are putting into their contracts. Um, yes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because um, this is right after um, uh, Frances McDormand yep. said that. In her yep, yep, yep. And, she, and I think the, the podcast I was listening to, she wasn't on it, but they were basically talking about, like, I guess she only found out about it a couple weeks ago. And, and I think the reaction, I think her reaction was something along the lines of like, how could I have not have known about this? Yeah. This is insane. And I think, and I, so when I think about something like Harvey Weinstein, I think about like the Judy Denches and the Meryl Streeps that maybe were never assaulted themselves. And we don't really know. Yeah. I mean, we don't know. So, I mean, let's not paint this brush like too heavy, but, um, the idea of like that there are bystanders, maybe that heard rumor and conjecture and things like that, but just didn't do anything about it in yeah. any way, shape, or form. I sp- yeah, that's true. I guess like when I think about somebody like Meryl Streep, she could do whatever the fuck she wants without any impunity. Maybe that's not reality. Maybe that's not. Maybe I, 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 yeah. I don't know what Hollywood's really like, but maybe, so maybe there would be consequences for her. And there, ha- there is a certain amount of, you know, do you speak up? Because, like, uh, Oprah also mentioned this, something else that was fairly insightful. It was, like, people maybe wanted to speak up when something happened to them with Harvey Weinstein, but if the question is, do I feed my family or do I just let this go, you know, they, they're likely going to choose that ladder at that point so they can still, you know, have a job and feed their family. I get that. I understand that. To me, uh, a Meryl Streep or Judy Dench going, I might not get cast in the next Harvey Weinstein movie if I say something, to me is a little, I don't know. I, I don't want to, I don't want to shame them into something, obviously. Meryl, I still love you. I think you're wonderful. I think you knew nothing the whole time. But, <laughs> I, well, okay. but at the same time, like I can see, I can see the argument where someone might go, we do need to ruminate on the past and what what conditions were such that somebody in a position of power like X or Y famous person maybe knew about this. Yeah. Maybe had heard rumors and conjectures over a period of time, but said, said, you know, it's not my place, not my place. I, Sorry, not my place. Yes, and I guess I will agree with you on that respect because I, I don't mean, I hate to keep bringing it back to me, but it's all I have to, I had a very similar You know I always want to hear things about you, Liz. <laughs> Well, I, when I was 22, I think I was, I was driving home, um, a very well liked comedian here Mm -hmm. in town. He was too drunk to drive. So I was driving his car and we were on the highway and I kind of liked him and I was flirting with him, but I was kind of innocent about the whole thing. Like at the time, all I really wanted was to get asked out. Like that was, that was it. We were flirting in the car ride on the way home and we're on the highway and I'm driving and he, while I was driving, reached over and put his hand between my legs and grabbed me while I was driving. And I freaked out. Like, obviously, as anybody would. Um, and the thing is, I had a, a friend who was following us behind because I didn't have a car who was going to drive me home. And so I y- yanked his hand out and I threw it back at him. I was like, that is not an option. Like, I didn't take it there. I was very clear um, and the guy was very shaken and he was like, he's like immediately just goes, well, you know, this is your fault cause you've been flirting with me all night. And I, my gut reaction, I am a strong, I, I like to think that I'm a strong person. So my first reaction was you are absolutely wrong. You are wrong. Mm-hmm. And then I got him out of the car. I got into the car with my friend who was driving behind us, who was also a guy. And as soon as I got in the car, I told him exactly what happened. I said, you will not believe what this guy just did. And this guy looked at me, and I think this is part of the reason why people are afraid of talking, speaking up, is because he looked at me and he just goes, you were flirting with him all night. Like, this kind of is your fault. 
and I shut up the whole way home. I shut up the whole way home, and I, luckily at the roommate, at the time, my roommate who listens to this podcast, I walked through the door, and I remember looking at her and telling her the whole story and just going, like, I think they're right. I think it's my fault. I think mm-hmm. I did this. And she just goes, no, no, it is not your fault. That is literally rapist logic. We're not going to entertain that in this apartment. And then from that day on, I would speak up and tell people at parties, like, if they were near that, I was like, this just happened. And it's, but he was so well-liked, and it so wasn't his persona when he wasn't drunk that I couldn't make anyone believe me. And in fact, there was a stigma that came back at me for it. So you are right. You're a hundred percent right. And I think that's probably why I'm like, we can't focus on what happened in the past because I went through an experience where people were very complacent mm-hmm. with it. And it, no one listens to you. It's, it's a very weird place to be in, especially if you've never, if your, if your voice was so shot down, it's very weird. You're learning a lot about me today. <laughs> I see it on I your face. The second time in a row. I know. I'm sorry. That you've like launched something. I did. I, yeah, I didn't mean to. I'm I just, surprised that you haven't heard this before. Um. Yeah, I don't talk about it that much anymore because it was it was eight years ago, sure. and the guy moved away. So you know, you stop kind of thinking about it at a certain point. You got to move sure. on. But yeah, it's 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 a real prevalent thing and so you're you're 100 right we do need to be have other people i i have changed my opinion i agree with you people do need to be held accountable mm-hmm. and we can't have people who are complacent but at the same point i do think that dwelling too much on the past i will stand on that a little bit isn't going to help us dwelling on dwelling on. yeah yeah ruminating no logically going through what happened and like what what situations or um constructs we had at that time that allowed xyz to happen yeah yeah i think so i thought that i thought the thing was very interesting was kind of their assessment also of like um uh, oprah talking about her girls that she uh, sponsors or like um through her schools that she sets up in in africa um talking about like someone talked to you like that once upon a time and stuff like that and like i thought the idea that like this movement might move move this needle forward in the sense that like this isn't something we'll accept any longer oh yeah i think is extremely important there was also this other other point um that I really enjoyed in um, um, that Oprah mentioned about uh, she's really insightful actually she's super insightful and I think I'm like drinking the Oprah Kool-Aid are you? I think I am a little weird but um, like her thing about resonance and frequencies I was kind of like don't get Gwen started. She's got a, she's got she'll a crystal a she'll sell you. It's, yeah, it's a yeah. whole thing. There will be an Oprah-branded crystal set <laughs> you can buy. Um, six easy payments of ninety nine ninety five. Insane. But um, but there's this very... Where was I going with this? Oh, this very this idea about, like, um, you are the sum of all your parts that, that got you here. Um, and, and movements are also along the lines. She talked about... She mentioned... She talked about Black Panther briefly, where she talked about, like, this movie couldn't have been created ten years ago. But it's not because no one tried or didn't move the needle forward. People move the needle forward in different ways so that this phenomenon could happen the way it did. Yes. Same thing with the Me Too movement. So it's not that people have just been accepting it the whole time. 
but they've been pushing back their own little ways. They've been doing their own thing. They've been helping it so that this movement could happen the way it did right now. So it, I, I like that idea. I do that, too. And I think it kind of speaks to how change is, is over time as opposed to something that happens instantly. You know, um, you even think about something that they didn't mention was even like gay marriage in the United States. For the longest time, it was like never going to happen, never going to happen, never yeah. going to happen, never going to happen. And it's like, okay, there's some opportunity for it, opportunity for it, and then it just happens at that point. So I think it's a, I think it's like anything, change is hard. Yeah. Um, even when it's supposed to be good change, it's it's hard to to change people's minds and to change the way things are done. But yeah, I liked it. Um, uh, overall, I really like the podcast. It's all you know. I yeah, I would recommend it too. It was a good listen. There's some weird there was stuff. Some, yeah, there's some, there's some weird, some weird stuff, stuff in there, but it's not. It's worth it's worth listening to. We, we'll keep it. We're, we're going to keep a finger on the pulse here. We're going to keep listening and making sure that all of them are there. There was, I will say, it opens with an ad for it um, does it does for this, cotton sheets or something for Bull and Branch. Yeah, which um, you listen to a lot of podcasts. You know, there's like. I swear to God, there's like 13 podcast sponsors. Like yeah. 13 companies. The only ones I ever hear are like Talkspace, uh, Me Undies. Hear Me Undies a lot. Um, uh, what are some? Oh, uh, Blue Apron. Yeah, Blue Apron. Uh, we're just going to give them all plugs. Yeah. Because they, they support the podcast industry. Yeah, and, and maybe one day they'll support us. <laughs> I sincerely doubt anybody's ever going to do that. I don't think anyone's ever listened to ours in its entirety. Um, the Apple podcast analytics would prove you right. So, oh, really? Yeah. No, actually we have a few, actually I was really surprised to see that there were a bunch, there were like six or seven people per episode, which is double what I thought we'd have. No, oh, that's um, true. That yeah. do listen to either all of or a majority of the podcast. Okay. So, and that's cool. Um, that's cool. All six of you, I really am happy for. That you did. Um, but that you went on the journey with us. But like there's but the point is that there's like a dozen or so sponsors of podcasts yes. and that's it. And I don't know why, but yeah, it's like I don't it's, know either. it's like these dozen or so companies that do it. Um and I listen to like a, a fair number of podcasts. Yeah, I do too. Across I, like so a number many. of different like spectrums. Like yeah. there's like, you know, earwolf ones and then there's like um well Headgum. Headgum. There's a bunch of different podcasts I listen to and it's like they're all the same six sponsors. Yeah, Nerdist. Uh, but just a bunch of them. But yeah. um, but it, I thought it was very interesting that one of the very first a sponsor of this podcast was one of those staple um, advertisers. I didn't know that they were a staple. I've never heard them advertise. Bowl and Branch has always done. They're, really? Yeah, okay. they were a big West Wing Weekly sponsor for a while. Okay. Um, and I thought it was interesting. And I also... Um, it also just kind of proves to me again that that Goop is a monetization engine. Yeah, is is a vehicle to sell things and 100%. make money. And I mean that's fine. I'm not ju- I'm not judging that. Money is like the you know for better or worse, it's the engine that makes things move. Yeah. So um, I'm not attacking Gwen for it. If anything, bravo, you found another way to make money. Yeah. Okay. And all you had to do this week was sit for an hour. Like, <laughs> for an hour like, come on, like yeah. that's pretty sweet. If I could just sit for with uh, famous people for one hour every week and make money, you could tag it with me. <laughs> not Milwaukee famous, real famous. Oh, <laughs> I mean you're right. But... I wanted to get really close to the mic and say that. Yeah, I'm not gonna. I'm not gonna do it again. Thank you. I'm not gonna edit it. Okay. Yeah, <laughs> you're just just like one and done. One and done. Yeah. Um, because it's genius the first round. But anyway, <laughs> um, but so I thought that was very interesting. Um, I thought that was really really interesting that it was an advertisement right away. Yeah. And, um, but yeah, it, it, overall it was really good. If, if all of them are. I think half as insightful and interesting as this one. Yeah. I think it's going to be really good. I will say, guys, um, Gwen, podcast people at Goop, one, you need a better title. 
thegoopa.com <laughs> is for sale. So if you want it, you can have it. It comes with a Twitter handle. Um, <laughs> <laughs> hashtag trying to sell out. Woo! Part three. Um, but uh, uh, hour 16 minutes. Ugh. I mean, we're very, we're trying to be better, though. Yeah. We have heard from our listeners, and I think there's a certain amount of cross-section between the Goop Pod listeners and the Goop Podcast All listeners. six of them. <laughs> All six of them. That I think um, they would like a slightly shorter podcast. Maybe it's because of the first inaugural one. Yeah. It's fine. And I say this with full well knowledge that our podcast used to be really long. Yeah. And I listened to podcasts at 1.5 speed, and it was still a little long for me. You are correct. Um, so yeah, that's, that's basically our review of the Goop podcast. Let's move on to the next segment in the interest of keeping it shorter since we're already on that. Um, so, and we're going to fire through these last two segments pretty quickly. Are we? We are. Uh, or at least I think so. I hope so. I have a lot to say about this next thing. Do you really? The, for Goop Scoop? I don't know. Uh, Goop Scoop. Um, this week we're looking at an article that was featured in Goop called Living at Your Leanest Weight. Now, I don't... I fucking wish. I know. But, see, here's the thing. I want to talk about the actual... the Not the article, but the backlash that happened right away. Because um, they put this article up there, um, and immediately people... Like, there were tweets that were coming in uh, that said, like, or also known as how to be as thin as possible without dying. Now, the thing that's interesting about this, if you actually read the article that it's focused on, um, the idea of the article is that... Everybody has a genetically predetermined weight that you're going to kind of settle into. And it's how to find that weight and live your healthiest life possible. Mm -hmm. Which, as far as things on Goop goes, that's a pretty healthy idea, I think. Now, uh, my question about this, what I want to talk about a little bit, is are there people, including us, including us, that think so little of Goop that we won't read the articles, and I know we do, but that we'll go through it fully and just want to hate it immediately because it's Gwyneth Paltrow or because it's a newer type of thinking, which is also something that they kind of go through in their podcast. Okay. What do you think? I'm reading right now. Oh, you're you're reading. Okay. Um, I think that that's 100% the case. I think that sometimes you and I are so willing to go, this is just bullshit that we will not entertain the idea that some of this stuff on Goop could be okay. I think that was one of the things we were trying to do, but eventually I think we just ended up bashing and bashing and bashing that we weren't paying close enough attention to what it could be or what they're trying to say, even if it is kind of misguided. FYI, food board love. So the the point of the Goop article, though, is about living your lean... Not Okay, I'm going to go ahead and say, um, from just reading this article real quick... Um, the, the title of the article, not a good pick. The title of the article was either clickbait, like they knew that it was going to stir up some controversy, or they just titled it badly, and I'm trying to figure out which it is. But like you mentioned, it's about, like, we're generally uh, genetically predisposed for a certain range, so the idea is, how do you live at the bottom of that range? Yes. So this isn't, like, I think the article was poorly titled. I'm going to say not designed to be clickbait, because, um... I, I think that's a bad idea. <laughs> Clickbait in general is bad, but... Yeah, um, unless if Goop has kind of figured out that they know that they have a certain reputation, so they're trying to lean into that, you know, if that's what keeps them relevant. But is that really what Gwen wants? I don't know. I, I can't speak to what she wants. I don't know her. I don't know her, but I think, like, if, if, uh, if like, I knew that my blog was a joke. <laughs> um... I actually don't have a problem with the premise of the article. I really don't either. I, th- I, I think this, I think the problem is the title. 
I agree. And I think I, the title and and that it doesn't go into it very very well very quickly. Yeah, um, is the problem. And I don't. I'm going to go ahead and say real quick that I don't like these Q and A things that Goop tends to do. I don't either. Side note, by the way. I just think because you have to read through so much of it to, to figure out so to get to the essence of what they mean, yeah, as and then to what they're saying. Conveniently, at the end, there's a link to buy something, but yeah. Um, but yeah, I mean, I think I think I think uh, all things being cons- said and considered, everyone wants to be. I think I don't think there's anybody. Okay, hold on. Let me say this carefully. Okay. In general, people want to be healthy. Yes. People want to be, I think almost universally people want to be healthy in one way, shape, or form. And I think in general people want to be healthy and be thinner. I agree, yeah. I think there are those that have legitimate reasons for wanting to be, I'm saying this in a really weird way. I'm trying to get, the point I'm trying to get across to is that people I think in general do want to be thinner. Yeah. I think I want to be thinner. Yeah. And you already have a perfect body. (laughs) Thank you. I'm so glad you noticed. Um... I think in general we want to be thinner. Um, that's not to say like there are. I, I don't want to like um, segregate um, people with eating disorders or different things like that. That sure. do have difficulty gaining weight or anything along those lines because it's a very real yes. problem for yes. for those individuals. So certainly there are those that are on the road to recovery that want to be have a more healthier weight. I think the point is a healthier weight at that point because there is a such thing as being too thin and too skinny. Yes. Um, there's that whole thing in France right now about models yes. uh, need to have a healthy BMI. As opposed to an unhealthy be, BMI, yeah, before they can walk, before which I think is walk. great. I think right? it's great because, like, I think um, I think uh, there was a. I don't know why this is popping into my head, but I think Victoria Beckham for like her sunglasses line or her eyewear line. Yeah, she got under real like some some really um, uh, heavy scrutiny. Heavy scrutiny because there was a model that that looked real thin, real yeah. thin, like just so 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 thin. Um, so I think I think I think it's not a bad idea that people wanting to live their healthiest weight. And, yeah, I agree. You know, and if, if someone had if someone told me like your healthy range is between don't want to disclose. I know, way, but, I, but uh, no, I get, I, mean. I get I get what you're saying though, yeah. and I agree with that. Like I said, so I think I think that in the interest of sort of revamping our group pod, what I kind of wanted to get to with this specific Goop Scoop is I think we should make a better commitment to finding one thing that we agree with on Goop wholeheartedly. Instead of trying to debunk more of it. And I think this article I agree with for the most part. So I think this is something that is good. This is a good goop scoop that we can promote. We can promote the idea of being the healthiest way possible. And we don't have to completely bash goop. Because I'm so... We're at a place where I think there is a lot of negativity. And I know this sounds kind of like touchy-feely or whatever. And I think that's fine. I want to start putting some good stuff out there, though. So I have to stop explaining this podcast to people as it's a weekly hit piece on Gwyneth Paltrow? No, you can explain it that way. But once we get them here... They'll realize it's not quite that. So I'm lying to people to get them through the door. You already lie to people to get them through the door. That's a lie. <laughs> but yeah, that being said, or at least this is my this is my thing. This is what yeah. I want. You don't have to do. No, that. I think it's good. I think in general, um, actually, I think there was a period of time where, like, I think you were a little upset with me that I was on board with a bunch of the stuff. I here. was, and yeah, you were, and you were like, Nick, you can't like them, and I'm like, and I think, I think in general. Um, I would get collagen martinis with Gwen. I'm going to be honest. Like, I think it'd be really fun. i try. Yeah, I guess. <laughs> oh, don't. You wouldn't? Really? I don't know that I would have much to talk about with her. I, and oh, I don't I'd, know that. I'd find stuff to talk to her about. Yeah. I think, I think. I would be like, okay, Earth thing. I mean, Do you really just, yeah, just as, I mean, Between I suppose just as I said, I want, I, I want to be more inclusive of it, but I don't think that that has to mean that I want to meet Gwyneth Paltrow. I want to meet Gwyneth Paltrow. I'm just going to okay. put it out there. 
Okay. Goop, you could have our website for free if I get to meet Gwen Oh, Paltrow. God. <laughs> okay. Um, but, okay. Mail at thegooppod.com if you want to talk about and it. And now I'm, I'm going to flip-flop real hard uh, immediately, and we're going to move into our last segment real quick. Um, and our last segment is entitled The Worst Thing of Goop This Week. So I do think that we're going to keep a little bit of the original energy of Goop. Because um, there is a lot of shit. There is a lot of I think, stuff. So what you're think, saying is there's a shit ton of shit, but there is some good gems. And we're going to we're gonna try to showcase both. Yeah, we're going to try and look at both of those things. So the, the article that I picked for the worst thing I found this week, I have to assume that this was like a Valentine's Day article. Um, this is called Three Tools for Finding Love. Sign me up. <laughs> is it terrible that I picked that because I thought that's what you'd say? What are you trying to say? Is that a hopelessly single? Uh, and this is something that would speak to me on a visceral and emotional level? I thought it might. Wow, fuck you. Oh! Okay, but here's the thing. I When I read the article title, like, Three Tools for Finding Love, I thought it was legitimately going to be something like... Uh, I'm already disappointed. I know. I thought <laughs> God it was... Damn gonna, it. I know. He's I was supposed reading to be ahead. Like, he's reading ahead. I thought it was going to be something like... A way to supercharge your Tinder profile. I'm like, I need some help with my Yeah, or something something like um, learning to accept certain things about yourself so that you can put your most yeah. truthful Yeah, and now I'm just, like, disappointed as fuck. Yeah, so the... the Side first... note, do you want to help me with my Tinder profile? Totally. <laughs> yeah. Okay, yes, we'll do that. Um, uh, fans out there, if you want to contribute to Nick's Tinder profile, no. tweet at us. Tweet no. at us stuff you'd like to see in his Tinder profile. Stuff um, that you want to see in our Tinder, in my Tinder profile? Yeah, like phrases or th- yeah, things that you're interested in. Uh, but tool number Mom one. walks on the beach. Yes. Uh, healthy vegan lifestyle. <laughs> so tool number one, sandalwood on the heart. This is the stupidest thing I've heard. Yeah. Okay. So I, like I said, I was really hoping that this would be something better than it was. It was, but the sandalwood on the heart is literally what it sounds like. It is this, it's, uh, it's putting essential oil on your chest to break up stagnant energy. I just don't believe in this. I really, no, really don't. No, skipping ahead. Still to giving thanks. So basically it's like learning how to take a compliment, which I do think that there is. Oh, this first sentence for tool two hits yeah. me hard. It's incredible how unlovable and lonely <laughs> we feel sometimes. Wow. Yeah. Okay. Um, yeah, so I, I, while I do applaud the idea of, like, learning how to take a compliment or learning how to give thanks for people that are in your life, I, and maybe that will help you find love, I just don't think that that will help. And then the very final one is romance your senses. What does that even mean? I, I, truthfully, I couldn't even get through it because it upset me so much. So basically it's like... What they're saying is you need to take time to, like, stimulate all of your senses. And they, they mean literally stop and smell the roses. They mean, like, stop and smell the roses at the checkout counter at Whole Foods. This is what they mean. And that's also, like, no. Just no. And it's it's basically, I think, that the kernel of what they're getting at is self-care. With this last little bit, they're like, do something for you. But in essence, I just don't think that that'll help. So this was my least favorite thing that I saw on Goop this week. Did you connect this with the... No, because you didn't listen to the podcast yet when you wrote this outline. I hadn't. They talk about this in the Goop podcast. Do they really? Oh, I didn't know that. A little bit. They talk about it in the sense of, like, um, back in, like, I think the 90s, um, Oprah had, like, polled her audience about, like, where are you... Women, where are you on your list of priorities in your lives? And it's most women didn't even have themselves on their top ten, and if they did, it was, like, way towards the bottom. Yeah. And Oprah, I guess, had a bunch of backlash when, when they 
suggested this idea to the audience that like, no, you need to be the number one on your list. Yeah. And people booed and said like, oh, like, you know, you don't have children, so you can't understand what that's like. And like this, this life coach was like, no, you have to take care of yourself so that if you, cause so that you can take care of others. Like if yeah. you don't take care of yourself, like you're just going to pump out shit. It's much more eloquent than that, but that yeah. was basically it. But that's it. Yeah. Oh, okay. Are we done? I, th- I think we're pretty much done. Oh, that was a good segue. That was like a done. We're donezo. I think so. Yeah. So thank you so much for joining us. At, what are, what time are we at? It's at fifty one minutes, but this is gonna be edited down to like forty. Okay. Nice. All right. Well, we're doing okay. Let us know how you think we're doing. And other than that, goop out. Goops out. Bye bye.